Welcome to Quarantine Creatives. I'm Heath Rosella. John John Briones is here. I'm so excited for this one. I'm so excited to share this one with you guys. I'm excited to talk about the new show he's on too, Ratchet, on Netflix. I got a chance to see it uh, maybe two or three weeks ago in preparation for this interview. And it's a show that is very, very suspenseful. And it's a show that has a lot of twists and turns. And because of that, I haven't been able to talk about it with anybody. (laughs) You know, I watched it and I loved it. And I haven't been able to say anything because I don't want to ruin it for anybody. So I will tell you, this interview today is relatively spoiler free. We don't talk about any major plot points. We do talk about John John's character on the show. But for the most part, the things that we discuss are things that you will learn over the course of like the first episode or so. So if you haven't seen the series, don't worry. You can still enjoy this interview. And I highly recommend you go check it out. Ratchet premieres on Netflix starting on Friday, September 18th. And I got to say, first of all, it is just one of the coolest shows that I've seen in a while. It's a Ryan Murphy project. Uh, Ryan Murphy does American Crime Story, American Horror Story, you know, all those uh, awesome shows. And this show is a beautiful period piece set in 1946, and it is just sumptuous visually. Like, the sets are incredible, the costumes are incredible, the locations that they shot, a lot of it all around Big Sur, was just beautiful, and uh, it's really just visually captivating. But it also is a very suspenseful series. It reminded me a lot of Hitchcock. It had a lot of Hitchcock DNA in it uh, for me. And I've always been a big Hitchcock fan. Uh, you know, Man Who Knew Too Much, North by Northwest, Psycho, Rear Window, Vertigo, Strangers on a Train, I Confess. Just, you know, I love that genre. And I feel like Ryan pays tribute to it in a lot of ways, but also really modernizes it. And uh, it's awesome. And John John is uh, one of the big stars of uh, this series, and he appears with some pretty big names, Sarah Paulson, Sharon Stone, Cynthia Nixon. It's really, it's an all-star cast, and uh, it's just such a great show. I can't recommend it enough. I hope you go and check it out on Netflix. And yeah, John John is a really interesting guy, and I really enjoyed getting to know him and getting to talk to him. I don't know if you guys know this, but I am uh, Filipino. My grandfather actually was born in the Philippines, and uh, this was back when he was born. The Philippines were part of the U.S., so he joined the U.S. Navy and uh, came over and was able to become a U.S. citizen because of that. And he met my grandmother when he was older and uh, ended up having my dad and all of his siblings and then passed away when my dad was uh, in middle school age, I guess. So when he died, a lot of the Filipino traditions of my family kind of went with it. And so I have this last name, Rosella, that is a Filipino last name. And I look sort of Filipino, I guess, if you kind of, you know, look hard enough, (laughs) maybe. Uh, I'm a quarter Filipino. But, you know, beyond the occasional special dish on a holiday or something like that. And that's a big family events. Never in my, you know, small nuclear family do we have anything Filipino. But sometimes at larger family events there might be, you know, a Filipino dish or something. But at least for me growing up, never heard the language, never heard the music or the films or, you know, anything cultural. I don't really have a reference point for the Philippines. 
Uh, John John is a Filipino actor. He was born in the Philippines. And you'll hear his story. We talk all about sort of the decision to leave the Philippines and become an actor. And prior to Ratched, the thing that he was probably most known for was his work in Miss Saigon. He played the engineer on both the West End revival of the show and the Broadway revival of the show. But he had actually been in the very first West End production of Miss Saigon back in like the 80s or early 90s, I guess. Uh, he had been cast in Manila uh, and was brought over to London to to be one of the uh, one of the cast members of the show, and then ended up, you know, touring with it for many many years through Germany and the Philippines and all across you know the world really, and then ended up eventually starring in it as the engineer. So he's had a long history with Miss Saigon, both Broadway and the West End, and we talk about all that. And he also now has two kids that are both in the business as well. His son, Teo, actually appears in Ratchet, and we talked about that. And his daughter, Issa, appears in Star Trek Picard for CBS All Access. She also toured with Hamilton. So uh, they're a showbiz family. And it's just incredible to hear John John's story and sort of his rise up really out of very, very poor conditions in the Philippines to uh, now becoming one of the stars of Ratched. And I got to say too, this is one of his biggest roles to date. Certainly probably his most prominent. Uh, a lot more people are going to see him on Netflix than ever saw him on Broadway. It's just kind of the nature of Netflix. But when I watched his performance in Ratched, I just felt like it was the beginning of something really, really great. And I'm excited to sort of see what the next couple of years look like for him because he is just a phenomenal talent. He is able to emote in such such subtle ways that really draw you into his character and make you want to learn more. And uh, I'm excited to see where his career goes. And, you know, for me, as somebody who has Filipino heritage and Filipino genes, even if I don't really identify as super Filipino or, you know, I'm really that conscious of that side of me, Seeing a Filipino actor in a major Netflix project was really meaningful. And seeing a character written as a Filipino, because it's not just that John John happens to be Filipino, the character he's playing also is Filipino. So it just, I don't know, it, it made me really proud of of my heritage. And to see somebody that looks like my dad or my aunts and uncles represented in a major Netflix project like this uh, was awesome. So, yeah, this was a meaningful conversation for me on a lot of levels. And uh, I really enjoyed getting to know John John. So I hope you enjoy it. Here it is, my conversation with John John Briones. Hi, John John. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Keith? I'm doing all right. Where are you? Where am I? I'm, I'm, I'm outside of Boston. Oh, right. How is Boston now <laughs> during this time? You know, we we had a rough go at the beginning. There was a uh, there was a convention that kind of kicked things off in March, and uh, it spread pretty quickly. But things have leveled off. People oh. are doing really good with the mask wearing, and you know, just uh, just keeping their distance and all. How, how about you? How has this uh, how has this whole quarantine been treating you? You know, uh, we're okay. Well, you know, I think you guys, especially the the the, the East Coast, where you guys are doing better than California. It, it it's it boggles the mind why we're in this situation right now. You know, you think you know California, but 
you know, it proves you wrong. Yeah. Are you talking specifically about coronavirus or even just, you know, the wildfires? Yeah. Like everything is, is going on right now. It, it feels like 20 crises at once. Yeah. Um, uh, I feel like uh, somebody, the, the universe is going, okay, you're not learning your lessons fast enough. Here's another one. Right. Let's just pile you them know. all on top of each other and see what happens. Yeah, and, and, and deal with that and see, you you know, where you end up at the end of it. Right, right. Well, I'm I'm excited to talk to you today. I've I've actually uh, I've been watching Ratchet. Uh, I I finished the series the first season uh, last night, and uh, it's it's phenomenal. It's it's such a beautiful show. It's such a suspenseful show. It was just kind of you know it was a show that kept me on the edge of my seat the whole time. So uh, I I really enjoyed it. That's good to that's good to hear. Yeah, it, it's it's phenomenal. I can't wait. You know, for everyone to see it when it comes out. It's uh it's really cool. I want to know sort of how you got involved with it. Uh, you've worked with Ryan Murphy before, right? It, uh, it started in 2017. I was doing a Broadway show, uh-huh. uh, Miss Saigon. And then I got a, a um, I was asked to audition for the assassination of Gianni Versace, one of the uh, uh, American crime story. Yep. And I got the part and they finished, we finished filming, they finished editing it. And I got a, an email from one of his producers saying that Ryan was very happy with it. He didn't direct the the the, the, the episode. It was Matt Bomer who uh-huh. directed it. And I heard that he loved what I did and he wanted to see Miss Saigon. And so he brought a, a few of his producers and Matt uh, Bomer and uh, Darren Chris was there as well. And they came to my dressing room afterwards. and. We were talking, and then he said, um, he asked me, what are you doing after Miss Saigon? I said, well, I'm going to be looking for a job. Yeah. And then he said, uh, well, I'll just have to snatch you up. You know, I thought it was a a Hollywood talk. Right. But it was nice of him to say that. But a few months later, my uh, agent said, okay, we got an offer from Ryan's uh, company for you to be in one of his new shows we don't know yet wow but at the same time he wants you to be in a few episodes of american horror story apocalypse uh, before while you're waiting for the, the the new show and then a few months later i found out that it was ratchet and then um at the Emmys after party, when uh, the the assassination of Gianni Versace won a lot of awards, I was talking to him, and he said, "You're going to be very happy with a with a role you're going to be playing in Ratchet. It's it's uh, the, I wrote you a brilliant, a, a wonderful character. He's a brilliant doctor, and he has a lot of of uh, monologues. Yeah, and that, that that was it. And so this is the first time I've wor- worked with him directly." work with him he directed the first two episodes of ratchet and uh that was uh that was nice yeah because i was wondering like it's such a specific there's certain things just about your own biography you know having a filipino-american uh, doctor and things like that like i was sort of wondering if it was if it was a part you had auditioned for or if it was sort of tailor-made for you and it's awesome that he just sort of you know he picked up on on what you've been doing in these other projects and uh and created this role for you it sounds like I still can't believe it that, you know, he entrusted me to, to play this. I, I was even a little confused because the name of the character was Richard Hanover. And I went, okay, we're playing it like this, yeah. uh, you know. But when I read the first episode, 
there was a scene there that the my first scene with Sarah Paulson's character, she has a line that was cut. Uh, she asked me, "Are you of Filipino descent?" And that was very special to me because they acknowledge my my uh, culture and the right. character, and they could have easily ignored it, but they embraced it, uh, which was really really nice. Yeah, it's a. Uh... It's a character with a lot of range. I mean, you have to play a lot of emotions in that show. How did you uh, just talk to me, I guess, about the process of sort of finding Dr. Hanover for yourself? What what helped you sort of understand who he was? First of all, I wanted to find something that we had in common. And it helped that they, like I said, they, they acknowledged my, my culture in it. So that was easier. He's a Filipino immigrant. Yep. And also a family man. And uh, that made it easier for me. But finding his drive and his humanity was very much key to it. I can relate to him feeling he needs to work harder. He needs to do more to be recognized for what he's done. And he believes that he is a brilliant doctor and he truly believes that he can cure anyone. Right. And which which is... I think very important that he he truly believes in his goal, and that was that's something I can relate to. Uh, you know, all of us can relate to that. Uh, you 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 really want to do something, but something gets in the way, which is his ego, which is in a way I think he has that God complex. Right. That one was was a little hard to to find um, what makes people think that way. So I did a lot of research and watched a few movies where the character truly believes in his you know capacity to do to do good, but at the same time be that there's a little bit of arrogance in that, and right. that was a little hard to find. Yeah. But. I, I think the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the script helped me a lot, and uh, talking to my director uh, helped a lot. Yeah. It's uh, just sort of thinking about that whole, whole piece of it, too, of sort of his, his belief that he can cure anybody and that, that mental illness is something that, that you can live with. I mean, you think about this show was set in 1946, and— I feel like a lot of I haven't done a lot of research on it, I guess, but my my perception of that era is that a lot of people that had mental issues were just kind of institutionalized, right? They were kept out of society. There was there was sort of no thought that they could live with their own demons. And he really believes in in treating his patients and uh, and finding finding the good peace in them, I guess, right? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Growing up in the Philippines. Once you're diagnosed with mental illness, it's like a a death warrant. It's like a death sentence yeah. uh, because once you're in there, there's no there's no coming out. Uh, there's no cure. There's no real cure. Um, so there was that desperation that I think I find in his situation, but that he thinks, okay, I need to do a dress, something drastic, and and I can do it. Because I'm brilliant, right? And so he, for him to to be using these methods that are questionable and barbaric was it, it's very arrogant, uh, I think. And and I think it's true in a lot of ways during those times that uh, if it fails, it fails. Right. But 
they are willing to do those things like uh, uh, the, the lobotomies. I've, I've researched a lot about that in the transorbital lobotomy, which is ice pick lobotomy. Yeah. I couldn't believe that those were an actual method in, in, in treating mental illness. Very, very, very interesting. Yeah, trend. I mean, literally putting a, an ice pick through somebody's, you know, through the top of their eye socket into their brain to, to perform the lobotomy. It was crazy. Yeah, I, I, I you know, the, the human mind, I, I kind of liken it to the ocean or space. Hmm. We know something about it, but not a lot. Uh, for someone to go, okay, if we put this thing inside their eyes and sever this connection, we don't know where, but it may be in this vicinity. It might do this. Right. Uh, it's it's crazy to me. Yeah. I, I wonder, too, just, you know, you talked about growing up in the Philippines. And for me, like, you know, I was born in, in the States here. And, like, I have this sort of, I feel like, cultural memory of this time period, the 40s and the 50s, and just sort of, you know, the glamour of that era and, you know, the big cars with the the bright colors and the big fenders and, you know, the fashion. And I feel like some of that comes from Hollywood. But, like, I wonder sort of, you know, if, if you had some of those those cultural references growing up or sort of, you know, what, what your sense of, of 1946 California looked like going into this project. Oh, so glamorous. I actually, you know, I had fantasies of living... Uh, during those times, because we, growing up in the Philippines, we love our Hollywood. Yeah. We, because of the American influence, and uh, we try to imitate everything that Hollywood does. Our film industry is so patterned to the, the Hollywood uh, pattern. So I've always thought of that as a, a wonderful time to live in. And, and my wife kind of, uh, woke me up from that reverie and say, you know, you're not going to do well in America, uh, 1940s America, because of who you are. And yeah. it, that was a wake up call. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm not white. Right. <laughs> it, it was kind of a, uh, but it was, uh, yeah, the, the glamour of it all. It's, I think that's what people are talking about, you know, oh, the good old days, the good old days, because during those times, it was for them simpler, but you don't really, or you choose to ignore the other, the ugliness right. of it. Like, for example, his, my character in the show, he's a Filipino. And for him, trying to make it in a world that's basically designed for him to fail. And uh, it's, it's, it's actually a, a tribute to him that, he chose this world to succeed in. And I think that's why he is so gung ho in, in his, uh, in his search for, you know, for glory recognition. Yeah. That's, uh, it's, it's interesting just sort of thinking about, yeah, what, what his reality would have been at that time and, and sort of how, how much work it would have taken to get to the point where he is, where he's, you know, running a hospital and on the governor's radar and, and things like that. Um, part of, too, I think what what's so sumptuous about the series is just, you know, the production design, the, the costumes, the, the sets, things like that. I, I was especially struck by your office set, <laughs> like just the massiveness of it and, you know, sort of these giant windows that wrap around, you know, a whole a whole uh, curved wall of it. And there's, you know, a bar <laughs> where you go and are, are pouring drinks half the time and things like it, it just is. It's kind of the epitome of 
as you say, like a classic Hollywood picture of, of just how glamorous that era was. Um, I, I was curious looking at that. Was that a location somewhere or was that was that built on a stage? That was built on a stage. Wow. Uh, my first day of uh, filming, I asked to I asked my the PA to show me my office because when I read the script, I thought I was picturing his office to be this 10 by 10, you right. know, run down, you know, uh, that's why he's asking for help. And then they showed it to me and it was bigger than my house. In a way, I I realized what Ryan was trying to do. It's, his vision is, first of all, it's just genius. I think he puts, you know, all these beautiful settings, the the the, the costumes and like the, the huge office. I, I think he, he, the beauty of the setting makes the turmoil of the characters, these flawed characters, more interesting. Mm. Um, and in a way, all these the huge set, the the high ceilings of of my office alone, it, it it in a way it helps that it dwarfs the characters. Right. It's like they are so small compared to the world they're they're living in, and and it's up to them to to maneuver around it. And even me going around my office, like I I get lost in it. Thank goodness there's a bar for him <laughs> to drink in. Yeah, I, I wonder too. We were talking about sort of the the range of the character before, and just you, you know having to having to get into fights with people, or having you know breakdowns or different things like that. Like, how difficult is that for you as an actor, just to to find those places? You know, I know like your, your background's in stage, and when you're in the stage, it's very linear, and you know you can you're you're going along with the story, and I assume are kind of following the arcs of that, but but TV is shot so out of sequence and, you know, starting and stopping and 10 takes of everything. Like just how, what were the challenges, I guess, of, of finding those emotional places <laughs> take after take, I guess. Yeah. Uh, when I started doing TV and movies, I found a newfound respect for uh, screen actors. That's, that's hard. Uh, finding the consistency in, in your performance without losing the the emotion and the 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 storytelling we did that a lot we because it's uh netflix we we're not obligated to finish the first episode and then the second episode and the third episode um we were all over the place we were filming episode one and then have to film episode four and five as well because of where we are we were filming in big sur and so all those uh, those those scenes were had to be filmed. So episode one and five and four, we were all over the place. And then sometimes we would run out of of time. There was a scene there with uh, Edmund Tolleson's character, uh, Ken Whitrock's character, where I was uh, talking to him, and that's a long scene. And what happened was we ran out of time, and then we had to move on from that. So we stopped that. And then we didn't return to it until three weeks later. Oh, wow. So you have to bring it all back. And the funny thing was, uh, Finn, Finn's wife was pregnant when we started that. And when we came back, he had a son already. So <laughs> wow. that, was, that was so funny. Um, yeah, uh, that's why when I had an opportunity to of films, one of my scenes when I was confessing to uh, Sarah's character what I've done. Yeah, this is in the restaurant there. Yes, that that one. Yeah, 
they asked me if I wanted to take it section by section because it's uh, an eight-page scene and uh, it's all me uh, talking. They gave me an option of, okay, we'll cut here. And I said, no, can we do it one go? Wow. So we were filming from beginning to the end because that's how I wanted to do it like a, a stage scene. And they, they let me. And first, I think they were a little apprehensive about it like uh, are you sure yeah. but um i did it and then but the, the problem with that is we had to do so many takes you know so many angles and right. then we had to do it again with the cameras on on uh, sarah but that was special to me because i didn't lose track of my emotions because like you said it's so hard to get bring it back and um after 10 takes where is, you know, where do you find the emotion yeah. after 20 takes? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's so interesting, too, just sort of thinking about and I don't want to give too much away because I know, you know, people haven't watched it yet. But it is interesting, just sort of that scene and sort of, you know, the the arc of the whole story is really that all of these characters have very complex backstories and, and have secrets. And, you know, they're they're pretending to be people that they aren't, which must have just been, you know, fascinating to play. And I think in that moment, especially, it's sort of it's when you you see the shift in Dr. Hanover and, you you, you know, you you see him as somebody very different in that moment. And so, yeah, nailing <laughs> nailing that performance uh, not only must have been tough for you as, as an eight page read, but, you know, it's critical as the, for the audience to to really connect with him. So bravo. That, that, that was uh, it was really well done. Thank you. Thank you. You also have these amazing co-stars. You know, we've talked a little bit about Sarah Paulson, but, you know, Sharon Stone is in this, Cynthia Nixon. Just uh, talk to me about sort of working along, you know, these kind of legendary figures. What was what was that feeling like? It was like uh, playing with uh, uh, an all-star team. You know, when when uh, when Ryan invites you to his world, that's a very big compliment. Because he, he loves to tell stories that are out there with uh, just the, the realities of, are, you know, on steroids, yeah. but uh, always grounded in truth. And um, he, that's why he, he hires the same people. It's like a, a repertory, right. you know. So if you get into that world, it's, it's, it's quite a compliment. So for him to do that with, with this, and he even said that uh, the, this story is going to be a gorgeous story of championing feminism and the wonderful women that he put there, Sarah Paulson, uh, Cynthia Nixon, uh, 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 Sophie Oconedo, Judy Davis, yeah. uh, you know, um, Sharon Stone. It was, was just great. And you, as, as a, a person, this is the biggest thing I've done so far. Right. So, Working with them was was such a, a special thing, and um, for me to be having a lot of scenes with them was very special. Especially uh, one one thing in in particular was uh, Sharon Stone. I mean, come on, um, we had this really close scene together, and there was one time I was having a problem with a beat, and she t took my hand and held it and then looked at me in the eye and said something. I couldn't remember what she said because it's Sharon basic instinct stone. Yeah, right. Come on. <laughs> so, but, but it helped me because she was basically saying we're the same. Yeah. 
you're you're an actor. I'm an actor. We're, we're the same. Right. You know, and and that that freed me up, and that was so nice to to see their humanity, their uh, their real, their their real human beings. That they're, they're not just you know a, 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 an icon somewhere that you you push, you put up there. They they're real human beings. Judith Davis, I mean, amazing actress. That was it. That was special. It's it it kind of basically gave me the 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 opportunity to say to myself, "You belong here." Yeah, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I want to ask too on on the casting side. Uh, your son also appears in this, right? Ah, yes. Yeah. What uh, what was I it like? <laughs> what was it like working with him? It was it was great um, because I worked with my daughter already in um, the assassination of Gianni Versace. Yeah, she played one of my daughters, and that was so special to be on set with her. Yeah. Uh, but this time it was my son, and the thing is, I look up to to my son. She he's a he's a very good actor. He back in the day when he was younger, he worked more than we did so he's always working on set and so this the the film set is his natural habitat he's happiest when he's on set and um and i was there with him looking at him uh, observing him work and it's so special uh that was uh, that was a great thing, and I was walking him around, introducing him to everyone on set because Ryan Murphy said is like a family. So yeah. and they were so happy to meet him, and they were very complimentary about him uh, that that he's a good actor. Said, hey, yeah, he's he's a better actor than than me than a lot of us. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can can I tell you a story about him? He's such a um, a, a very critical actor, but that when he was four years old he he watched a a musical that i was doing and i said to him you're gonna love this section it's a war scene and i die Uh and i thought it would be cool for him and then at the end of the show i i talked to him as a hey cool right and he was like "Eh." i said (laughs) what's wrong "Eh, it was a little too big As a four-year-old, he's he's critiquing your performance. As a four-year-old, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, he's a film actor. That's why he's a screen actor. Right, his stage is a whole different world. <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah. So yeah. I I want to ask you know going back now to to you know sort of go over some of your life. Um, I, I'm really interested just sort of in you know your your history. I guess growing up in the Philippines, um, partially because my grandpa uh, was was from the Philippines as well. Uh, he grew up in a local snorte. Um, but was born in like 1898 or so. He was very old when he had uh, my dad, and he died very young in my dad's life. I think my dad was about 13 or so when he died. So I, I never met him, and it's interesting because after he died, a lot of the sort of Filipino kind of heritage in our family left, and there's still little pieces here and there. You know, we'll have certain dishes uh, for holidays and things like that, but I don't have a I don't have a strong sense. Of Filipino culture, other than you know my last name and and my ethnicity and things, but I, I just I, I want to hear I guess your story of like you know what was it like growing up in the Philippines when you did? Wow, growing up in the Philippines, it was of course when I was young, when you're younger, you don't really notice that you're poor, right? But I came from a very poor family. Uh, uh, we came, uh, I grew up in a very very poor. 
um, we're surrounded by squatters and and uh, when it rains, it uh, it just floods and all your uh, uh, furniture and everything's just on uh, you know underwater. Wow. My father, I, we didn't know this, but it's always hard for the, there are times when it's hard to pay for food or for our school. Um, my my dad would actually gamble. Uh, he he. He raises a uh, fighting chicken, uh-huh. fighting cock. Yeah. And he would, yeah, he would uh, gamble with whatever money we have left. And thank God he would win. Because, <laughs> right. you know, uh, yeah, um, that. And I, we were so, we were so poor that my mom wanted from, wanted me to have a really good education. That's why she, he put, she put me in. I auditioned for uh, the church to to be a one of the singers there in all the masses, but in exchange you have to live there. Yeah. But uh, you 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 get a free education in one of the best elementary high school in the country. So I was li- I lived there since I was eight years old. Wow. Until I graduated from high school, so that I only see my my family uh, once a month, and uh, but that that was. That was hard, uh, but in a way, it helped me with my love for performing because I was singing all the time. And and after I graduated, I was studying engineering. I was supposed to get our family out of poverty, you know, becoming an engineer. But the love for theater was just so strong that when I told my dad that uh, I'm going to London to be in Miss Saigon and I'm going to be an actor full time, he was very disappointed. I think there was sadness in him that I, I won't be able to help him right. or the family. But eventually um, that changed when uh, when he saw the show, well, Miss Saigon was brought to the Philippines and they were able to see me perform the role of the engineer. And uh, I heard from my mom that in between acts, he was smiling broadly because everyone around him was talking about me. Wow. And uh and that 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 kind of uh, justified my decision, and without him saying it, that you did the right thing. I, I followed my dreams. At first, it was like, am I betraying my family? Am I being uh, selfish by doing this? Maybe yeah. it was, uh, but thank God it it turned out <laughs> well. Yeah. Um, yeah, growing up with in the Philippines was that I we there. I have four siblings, and uh, and they're still there. Uh, you know, just trying to make them proud every day. <laughs> yeah, right. Did did your family have a sense of of theater? Like when you said, "I'm I'm going to go move to London and be in this play," did they have any concept of sort of what that meant? Like, had you had you gone to theater growing up at all, or was was performance for you strictly during a mass? Even while I was doing studying engineering, I was doing gigs here okay. and there. Yeah, it doesn't really pay anything, but it was just my love for it. I would do anything you know, for free, just to be on stage. Right. And once in a while, I would be on stage in a in a musical. Or, But my family didn't really understand it. They're so critical. <laughs> Filipinos, I think, are very critical. Every time they would see the show, my dad would go, I would ask him, oh, did you like it? And it's like, oh, yeah, you cracked on that, that <laughs> song you did. Wow. It was, <laughs> it was that. So when I... Said I'm going to London. I think they're a bit happy, but a little sad because 
it's something they, that they see as not, you cannot sustain right. or cannot sustain you. My, my dad's siblings, his brothers were musicians. He taught them how to play the guitar and they became musicians. And he thinks that their life is just all over the place. That's why he never taught us how to play an instrument because mm. he wanted to save us from that, but it still found its way to us, right. me especially. And um, I, I think he was, he, he was trying to do that, but it is that it's the, the mentality of your, I, I think that the, 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 the sadness of him thinking I'm going to have to support him. And even when he's older, uh, it was that it was, there was no faith in performing. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting, and and I guess just sort of having having that family piece of it, you know, seeing seeing what his brothers went through and saying, yeah, I, I, stay away from that, you know, it, it it's uh, yeah, yeah. Um, the the Miss Saigon piece is so interesting to me too because when you first went to London, that was that was like the original West End production of it, right? That's, yes. Yeah. Oh, so proud of that. Yeah, and it's wild, like. That musical, I feel like you you have more credits on it probably than anyone. I mean, you you toured with it, and uh, we're on the West End revival of it. We're on the Broadway revival of it. Like, do you have a sense of just how many how many times you've performed Miss Saigon in your career? I've been asked that question so many times. I don't know. I maybe more than three thousand times wow. or four thousand times. Maybe I don't know. Um, it, it 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 is the show we call it the show that keeps on giving. Uh, being an actor of color, specifically an Asian, there's not not nothing much for us to do. That's why a lot of Asian actors, their resumes just Flower Drum Song, Miss Saigon, right. um, Shogun, all those Asian shows. So when they close, there's not a lot of shows for us to do. Uh, that's why it's the only show that keeps on hiring me. Thank God for it. And it saved me and my family so many times we were uh just struggling financially when Cameron would just call hey John do you want to do the show again and yeah. I go yes please yeah. um uh both my kids were born in England because of the show uh one time we got pregnant uh we weren't expecting it but we were unemployed and my wife said we're pregnant and then we're like okay and we're living in new york and then suddenly i got a phone call from cameron saying hey do you want to do the show again you know the last year uh, in in the west end i said yes and my daughter was born in 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 london and then in 2003 my wife was pregnant again but i was doing miss saigon on tour here and cameron wanted to bring wanted me to do the tour and i said yeah uh, and my son was born in Oxford. And so both of them were born for free. <laughs> oh, so yeah. That, uh, right. The show saved us. Yeah, the show <laughs> saved us so many times. It's a, bit, it's a part of, of my life and a part of a lot of Asian Americans' life now because they, it just it's, it, it employed them and it gave them a platform to shine and a, a, a platform to prove to people that Asians can act. Yeah, for sure. I wonder, too, just like having performed in, in such sort of high profile venues, you know, the West End and Broadway and all that. Like what what do you feel as a performer is the difference between those venues? Like, do, do you notice a difference in the West End crowd versus the Broadway crowd? Yes, just like a, a Chinese crowd. And um, 
Singaporean crowd or a Philippine crowd, it's it, there is a difference. British audiences are more reserved. Hmm. They're very reserved, and uh, they listen. Some of the things are funnier there compared to maybe Broadway, but a lot of times Broadway are just, it's like a rock concert sometimes when you're on Broadway. It's, they just eat up everything. It's, it's more demonstrative, especially when you watch a very African-American show, like when I saw uh, Caller Purple. That wow. was like, I was, it was like being in church. Yeah. It was so dynamic. It was so, it was an amazing experience. Um, and that's, uh, you, you don't really get that in, in, in England. It's all, you know, at the end of the song, they do that. Um, <laughs> Very reserved claps, in, yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, it's, uh, 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 Broadway's like interactive. It's very interactive. Huh, that's interesting. I, I don't know that I would have, I would have categorized it that way, but that's, uh, yeah, I, I could see just culturally even the difference, you know, between English and American audiences and, and seeing that would translate to to their stage. Um, I wonder, too, just sort of with your experience, um, you know, performing uh, Miss Saigon all over the world, really. Um, we mentioned your daughter earlier, and uh, she was just touring with Hamilton. I wonder sort of what advice you gave her going into that tour. I'm not even sure if if we gave her advice because she is so, I feel like we grew up together, uh-huh. my wife and I and, and our daughter, we grew up together because she witnessed everything, the, the hardships, uh, our career not going, career is not going too well. And it, 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 she actually got scared of it. She realized how hard it is. So she was on tour with uh, with me the whole time and she would be uh, in England with me touring or in the West End and she basically knows the, the, the touring life. Yeah. So she was very much prepared for that. Even at that age, 19 years old touring, we were not really worried that that she, you know, that we knew she can take care of herself and yeah. she was going to be a responsible person uh, because of that. Yeah. She's, she's, she's an awesome, awesome person. Well, I, I wonder too, though, just like growing up with all this and, and as you say, sort of seeing the struggles and all, with either of your children, was there ever a moment where they said, you know what, maybe this isn't for me? Like, it sounds like they've both sort of leaned into it. And, and I wonder, you know, I feel like my tendency may have been to recoil from it and say, "Ooh, you know, th- this is a rough life. Maybe I'll, uh, you know, go be a doctor or a software engineer, or, you know, something like that. You know, the reality of them wanting to do that, uh, being in, in the business, came when, when our daughter said, I want to go to a performing arts school. Wow. And I went, oh my God, what do you do? What do you, you can't say, please don't get in this business because that's so hypocritical, but because, you know, you wanted to protect them, but we always preach to them, do whatever makes you happy because when you're happy, you're going to do it so well. And it's not, it's not going to be feeling like work. So that was, you know, hard, but in a way it, all you can do is just guide them. But our daughter, uh, she saw us struggle. We Sometimes we can't afford to pay rent. And she saw this. And, and she was going to a high school here with, with a lot of rich kids. And one time, sometimes she would be crying that she doesn't have 
those things. And she felt so bad about it that she felt that she would even think that. And I think that kind of gave her pause in this business that she didn't do anything like that. She, she didn't audition. She didn't, she actually started writing. She was, she searched so hard to find something else. Yeah. But the passion, she couldn't escape it. She was finding it. She, she couldn't remove it from her being and it found its way back to her and it with a vengeance. Yeah. And she was singing, she was performing. And I think it was a good thing because she realized she can't live without being an artist, being on stage, being a, a performing. Because, And she is such a, uh, uh, her instincts as, as a performer is so huge, is so big, is so great that she's going to do well. I mean, right now she's doing, um, she's in uh, Star Trek Picard and she's, you know, she's with all these veteran actors and they treat her as, as an equal because she is such a good uh, actress yeah. and, and uh, a good human being. And that's, uh, I, we feel proud. That's, that's something we, we were happy about because she's not just a, a good performer but she's also a good human being that's awesome i think she's so grounded yeah yeah i I wonder how it feels for you just sort of you know thinking about the the, this arc of your life that we've talked about of you know sort of growing up poor in the philippines and then you know struggling as an actor here in the states and now being at this place where you know in a couple of days you're going to (laughs) be one of the leads of a of a major netflix series and your kids are both in the business and doing really well at it just what is how are you feeling i guess at, at this point in your life I, to me it, it's just an amazing story but i wonder sort of what you're thinking about day to day relative to that you know i i think i'm beginning to realize that now that i'm doing a lot of interviews yeah. uh, a lot of questions I, I like that and i it it makes me uh look at it i'm realizing oh my god i'm um i've been blessed i i mean a lot of a lot of hardships along the way but i think that prepared me for this moment yeah um and you know looking back at that loner child uh in the philippines in Quezon city and you know him that kid not knowing where he's going and i was like oh if i if i'm gonna talk to that that child i would you know what do i tell tell him because he's not gonna believe what I'm going to tell, right. what I'm going to say to him. And, but it's like, oh my God, I, I, I feel proud. It's, it's embarrassing to, to say that, but I, I feel proud uh, because of where I came from. And I don't know where I'm going right now, but I, I think, I think I'm, I'm confident that it's going to be a good, it's the, the journey is still going to be good. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see where it all goes too, because, uh, yeah, I, I, I loved you in Ratched, and I, as you say, it's so meaningful in a way that I didn't expect. Because, again, like, I, I have this Filipino heritage, but I don't—it's it, not something I'm very conscious of. But to see a character that's not only portrayed by a Filipino actor, but the character itself is Filipino as well, it was very meaningful to me. And just, you know, I think I think it'll be meaningful to a lot of people, and, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for everyone to see Ratched, and I'm excited to see— 
sort of where your career goes from here, because uh, I feel like it can only go up <laughs> to more exciting places. Thank you. Thank you. I, you know, I'm, I'm very happy that my, my daughter and my, our, our son, they are very much connected to their heritage. They're very proud of it, especially my daughter. She is, she's proud of her heritage, of her being Asian, uh, Filipino, and she carries it wherever she goes. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm very happy about that. Yeah, it's it's very important, and uh, it's great to see you know more roles that uh, that are tailor made for that now. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, John. John, I uh, I appreciate your time, and I really enjoyed talking with you. Please, thank you, Rasella. Yes, I have a friend whose name last name was Rasella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should you should make a a, a trip to the Philippines. Yeah. It's it's on the list once you know once we can get on planes again yeah. and all that. But uh, I know, yeah. I I hope soon. I I hope soon. I hope we can all hug each other and give kisses again someday soon. All right, John John Briones there. How awesome was that, huh? What a story! What a uh, beautiful American success story, right? An immigrant from poverty, comes here, becomes a big star. And uh, like I said at the beginning, I feel like his star is only going up. So I don't think this is the last you're going to hear of John John Briones. I have a feeling it's uh, just going to get bigger and better for him. At least that's my hope. Ratchet starts streaming on Netflix September 18th. Go check it out. Seriously, it is one of the best shows I've seen maybe this year. New episodes of Quarantine Creatives come out every Monday and Thursday. Make sure you subscribe so you get them first in your feed. And let me know what you're thinking about. I am at Heath Rosella on Twitter and Instagram. Shoot me a message. Let me know what's up. Let me know what's on your mind. I'll be back on Monday with a new show. Until then, have a great weekend. Stay safe. <laughs>